Thank you, worship team. I tell y'all what, I almost didn't come out here. I was just going to stay back there and ask them to keep playing, and we're going to call it a day. That was wonderful. Thank you, Jose, Lee, and everybody else on the worship team. Uh, as Jose said earlier, my name is Key, Keelan Miller. Everybody knows Miss Key. I'm a deacon here at Change Point Northeast, and I'm also the uh, youth pastor for middle and high school age students. So for those of you out there, keep your eyes up and ears peeled on that. We're going to start um, the group going here pretty soon again, but that's for a later time. Uh, we're going to continue in a series, What Every Christ Follower Should Know. And the topic that I'm going to talk about today is a, a very uh, it's a common question and a very controversial question, I think. But uh, it, it resonates with me personally because when I came to an understanding of the biblical answer to this question, God changed my life in a way that I never thought he could. And uh, it, it was a shock. Definitely to, to me and my wife. She thought I was an alien. She didn't really know what was going on with me, but I had an extreme change in the way that I lived my life after this question was uh, proposed to me and after I came to an understanding of it. So as I, I stand here before you today and as God delivers this message, I pray that that same change or better change takes place in each and every one of you. Uh, so before I continue, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for everyone who is here today, Lord God. I do believe that this is a divine appointment that you set long before any of us walk this earth, Lord God. So I ask that you be with everyone here, Lord. Open their ears, open their minds, open their hearts to what it is that you have in store for them. Holy Spirit, I ask that you just take over my body, remove me completely. I humble myself before you and God's children, and ask that only your words be heard and none of mine, for I'm fallible and flawed just like any man. So may your words just speak powerfully and move the hearts and minds of those who are here today. And I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So the question I have for you today is, as a Christian, does what I watch, what I read, and what I listen to really affect my life. Okay. And I've titled this message, You Are What You Eat. <laughs> For those of you with your Bibles, uh, I ask that you open them right now to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be reading from the 11th chapter, and we're going to start at the 34th verse. And as you uh, do that, I'll give you time by sharing a, a brief story with you. Story takes place in 2010, the summer of 2010, a uh, little after July 5th. I was on my way out of the United States of America for the very first time in my life. I was 23 years old. Oh, wait, I take that back. I went to Canada once, but I don't really count that. Because going to Canada is like going to the attic in your house. You pull that ladder down, you start creeping up there like, I have no idea what's up here. All right? So... It's, it's foreign, but it's still yours. That's how I feel about it. But uh, that's no diss on anybody from Canada. That's just my personal outtake on the experience. But anyway, I'm leaving the country, headed east, and I'm not going to Europe for some cool, fancy backpacking trip. Never done that. I was actually on my way to Afghanistan. For those of you who don't know, I'm active duty Air Force. I've been in for a little over seven years now. And uh, I'm a physical and occupational therapy technician. I do rehabilitative therapy for people with mainly orthopedic injuries. 
and that was going to be my mission over there. My job was to take soldiers, civilians, locals, anybody with minor injuries, um, do the very best that I could to rehab them so they wouldn't have to leave the country, and they could stay there and continue to do their job. And that was my sole purpose for being there. So a few months into my deployment, I ran into a, a young Army soldier. We're going to call him Private Young because he was only 19 years old. And I had one conversation with this young man, and it went a little something like this. Well, first off, he was a, he was a patient at the CASF. The CASF is where people awaited medical evacuation from country. The people that I couldn't help or any other medical provider couldn't help that needed further medical care, they left the country. So they would stay at the CASF until they could get a flight out. And this is where he was. And he was perfectly functioning. Walking, talking, eating, had all his limbs. Didn't seem to have anything wrong with him. So I asked him, I say, hey, man, what's going on? First words he said to me, I want to go home. Joined the Army, thought it would be cool to come to Afghanistan and fight a war because that's what it looked like on video games, but it wasn't cool. There's nothing cool about bullets flying over your head and I want to go home. Truly disgruntled, afraid, shaken, and he did not want to be there. And the question I had is how could something like this happen? How does somebody take something as real and as serious as volunteering to enlist into the U.S. Army in a time of war with the sole intention of going to Afghanistan and getting in a gunfight with people you don't even know? How does that get boiled down to being as cool as a video game? That's serious, okay? Let's see what scripture has to say about it. Luke. The 11th chapter, 34th verse. The eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is clear, your whole body is also full of light. But when it is bad, your body also is full of darkness. To break it down a little bit, the eye is the lamp. A lamp provides light. So the eye illuminates our bodies and its members. What are the members of our body? What is our body? All body parts. Hands, feet, legs but also the Holy Spirit, because we're speaking of Christians here. As a Christian, this is what I watch, read, and listen to, and this is speaking of believers. So the Holy Spirit also dwells within our body, okay? When your eye is clear, dictionary.com, search clear. First words, free from darkness and obscurity. So even a, a worldly outlook of the word clear ties directly right back into what the Bible is saying, okay? So... This verse is speaking directly to our focus. It's about what we're focusing on. What we focus on at any given moment is a direct, a direct feed into our bodies and into our minds. And we are foolish to believe that what we see, hear, and talk about doesn't impact every aspect of our life. It's all about focus, okay? A few statistics show the same thing, kind of just agreeing with what is said in Luke. After a little research, I found that the average person remembers 10% of what they read, 20% of what they hear, 30% of what they say, 50% of what they see and hear, 70% of what they say, and 90% of what they do and say. So thinking about it, how do we learn? Thinking young infants, one of the first things we learn is how to pay attention. 
You know, any, any child born with all their functions, all their senses, obviously they can see, but they don't necessarily know how to pay attention. You look at an infant, they just kind of gaze and wander around. Paying attention is a learned trait. And who teaches us? Usually our parents. Talking to a kid, you want them to do something, you're telling them to do, you say, pay attention, look at me. That's what you tell them. And it's not just kids. I've seen 17-year-olds, look at me, pay attention, <laughs> okay? It's something that we have to learn. It's not as simple as just seeing, okay? Next skill is to listen. That is a big one. You hear your parents call you all the time, but to listen and do what they're telling you to do is a totally different story, okay? Tell Johnny not to touch the plug. Johnny, Johnny, don't touch that plug. Johnny hears and you just, okay? So you have to learn to listen. You have to learn to pay attention, how to listen, and from there you also begin to learn to uh, read and depict words and you also learn to uh, hear your own voice and mentally listen to yourself. So after all that learning, what happens if the majority of what we pay attention to, the majority of what we read, the majority of what we're talking about, what if all those things are bad? What if they're poor, of poor quality? Is that same poor quality going to pour into our lives? And I say yes. In a worldly perspective and in a spiritual perspective, I believe that the question to does what I watch, read, and listen to as a Christian really affect my life? Absolutely. But there's two sides to that. What we watch, read, and listen to can either work for us or it can work against us. Let's look at some of the ways it works against us. Turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter. I'll be reading verses 3 and 4. Give you a little time. And the scripture that I have here is out of the New American Standard Bible, so it may differ a little bit from yours. 2 Timothy 4, verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. And will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. In this scripture, Paul is writing, this is one of Paul's letters to Timothy, that a time will come when believers will no longer tolerate the pure teaching of God's word. They will no longer be able to focus on what is good, what is pure, coming directly out of the Bible. And why is that? It says it right there in the verse, wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, wanting to comfortably remain in their false ways of life, they will find people that agree with their choices and their behaviors. They're wanting something else. There are people out there who claim to be Christians, but they don't want the word of God. They want what makes them feel good as people. And a lot of times it's referred to as the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. Okay, that's not always God's word. A lot of it is, yes, but God's word also has to convict. That's how it changes our lives. That's how it changes us to face him, to repent and go towards him. So the strongest, most nourished part of their being, their flesh, which includes their minds and emotions, all subject to sin, will draw their focus to whatever feeds it best. So instead of going to a place that serves 
the spiritual food that they need, they're going to look for something that serves them what they want to eat. And when I say eat, I mean spiritually. Spiritually, we are fed through our eyes. Okay? We're going to look at another passage kind of talking about the same thing. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 18. For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. This is another uh, epistle from Paul, written to the Philippians while he was in prison, and he was warning them of false teachers. And when we say false teachers, we're talking false in a way that they don't directly oppose the word of God, but at the same time, they are not pursuing the Christ-likeness that they should be after. And we're no different. We all desire things of this world. Our flesh is a part of this world. It's natural. So there are things in this world that just naturally entertain us. We are subject to that. Being born of this world, there is no possible way that we can be away from that. There's only one who did, Jesus Christ. Other than that, we're all subject to to that behavior. And uh, we have to be careful to remain focused on Christ. Being a Christian is no easy thing. We all know that. We have to strive to constantly repent. And it's not necessarily bad. Repent just means change your mind. What you are doing could technically be harmless, but change your mind towards Christ. Change your mind towards something that's good, that's pure. And it says that right in chapter, uh, no, in the same chapter, verse 20. We're focused on this because we don't belong here. Our citizenship is in heaven. So being focused on things of this world is pointless because you can't take it with you. It's not going to go with you. It's all going to go away one day. So what does it benefit us to be so focused on things that are not of God? Okay. So what we read, watch, listen to can obviously work against us. Because in this world we're, we're offered junk food. There's nothing wholesome or healthy set before the table before us. It's all very convenient, like a bag of chips. You just walk in a store, you pick one, you pop it open, and you eat. There's no cooking involved, no preparation, no nothing. It's all right there for you. And in the long run, what is eating chips all day going to do to you? Make you unhealthy. Okay? I'm not going to say fat because that's a sensitive word. It's going to make you unhealthy. All right? (laughs) Next time you go out and do some jogging or bike riding or running, you huffing and puffing, think about them 10 bags of chips you ate the week before. All right, same thing goes into our spiritual lives. Some people walk away from church because partying Saturday night is easier. It's easier to just, hey, my friends were going out, so I just went with them. I didn't have to drive. I didn't have to buy drinks. They did all that. They took me home. Sunday morning sucked, so I just stayed home. You live that lifestyle. What do you think you're going to feel like the next time you come to church? You probably won't even want to be here. You're ready to run out the doors, okay? It's all the same concept. It's about what we focus on. So in the long run, things of this world are going to work against us. Being focused on things of this world will ultimately work against us. So let's look on a brighter side. How can these things work for us? Um, Colossians chapter 3. Going to start in uh, the first verse again, reading through verse 4.
Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Then Christ, who is our life, is revealed. Then you also will be revealed with him in glory. So looking back on what we just read in Philippians, this is answering to that. Philippians was talking about false teachers who were focusing on things of this world. In Colossians, Paul's telling us to focus on things that are above, but he's not telling us to do it for no reason. His words come with promise. God's words come with promise. Verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's speaking to salvation. That is a spiritual death and resurrection just as Jesus Christ did in, in the world years ago. So we're saved. But it's promising us, then Christ who is our life is revealed and we will also be revealed with him. That's a promise. That's a great promise. That's promising us eternity one day. So to focus on what is good is, is not empty. It's not an empty promise. Okay. We must constantly focus on heaven. We don't just stop when we're saved. It is a progressive, constant struggle to become more and more like Christ each and every day. You don't just say a prayer, bow your head, consider yourself saved, repent that one time, and think you got it in the bag. Sadly, it does not work that way. But a lot of the times, that's, that's what you get from people. Are you saved? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I got saved when I was 15. Go to church? Nope. No, but I, I know God. I love God. You know, no, we have to seek him. We have to focus on him. We have to feed ourselves the things that he offers us because the second we stop, the enemy's right there ready to grab you and pull you away to something that seems a lot more elegant, beautiful, entertaining. Okay. Let us feed our spirits with the lamp of our bodies by focusing on that which is clear. And in Philippians chapter four, Verse 8 through 9, again, Paul is telling us exactly what that looks like, what to focus on the things of God looks like. He says it right here. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Remain in these things. Don't just look at them and go elsewhere. Dwell on them. The things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Now these words coming from Paul, this wasn't Jesus speaking directly. Question could rise, what makes Paul so much better than us? Well, last time I checked, I don't know anybody in prison writing letters to Christians. Or I don't know too many people out there sacrificing their lives, knowing that they could be killed at any given moment, preaching the word of God, standing in the street, especially here in this country, because we live freely. We can go out and preach God as much as we want. Is it lawful for anybody to kill us? No. Back then it was. Okay. And Paul was once a hater of Christians. Paul slayed Christians. So... His life is a living testimony of the power in God and what it can do when we repent and we turn towards him and his goodness. Right there. 
So Paul's telling us to demonstrate him because he knows exactly what it's like to be on the opposite side because he was once there himself. And he's not leaving us to wonder where our focus should be. He's giving it to us right there. Paul instructed the Philippians to follow the truth of God proclaimed along with the example of the truth lived by Paul himself. And we should do exactly the same thing. Okay. I've spoken with youth all over the world about this topic. A lot of times it's really drawn around media because that's what appeals to kids ages 12 to 18. It's usually about music, movies, and video games. And a lot of times I get the same responses when I say you got to be careful what you watch, read, or listen to. Oh, kids, just a movie. Oh, it's just rap music or it's just a video game. Over 40 million people are registered to play Call of Duty online today. But it's just a game. Nate, can you put them slides up for me? So I found this last night looking up statistics for Call of Duty because this is probably one of the most popular games out there. This was a, a counter. And these numbers were going up in the thousands, probably every 20 seconds they were changing. This is a constant ticker. If you pull this website up now, it's probably somewhere in 200,000, 300,000 something. It was just constantly going. And it seemed unreal for a minute until I thought about how many people I know that actually play this game and how many people I've talked to that spend all weekend playing this game, vegging out in front of the TV. So it started to make a lot of sense. And it's breaking this game down very specific, showing the hours played collectively over all the people registered. Then it shows the shots fired, how many times somebody clicked that button is in the trillions. And I had to do some hardcore math on there because I ain't seen that many commas in a long time. I had to go back to, hold on, went back to fifth grade on that, okay? That's two trillion, all right? Next slide, Nate. Total kills, total paybacks, total headshots, total assisted kills. The last one you can't see, but it says total backstabs. But it's just a game. It's just a game until that's all anybody ever pays attention to. I'm sure Private Young at one point thought Call of Duty was just a game. But as he played it, he watched the screen, he heard the sounds. And over time, I'm sure he got really good at it. Because you talk to anybody who plays Call of Duty, they're all really good. Okay? Just in case you didn't know, nobody will ever tell you they're not good at Call of Duty. But this became his reality. I'm sure he probably spent so much time in front of that screen that he really just thought, man, I'm good at this. I need to join the army. I can go out and fight this war same way I do it on this video game. I'm going to enlist. And he got a rude awakening. Praise God he kept his life, you know, through his blindness, through the choices that he made with the, the false pretenses he left under. So... Praise God that he got a rude awakening. But it was a rude awakening indeed because he took this false life that he lived through this video game and tried to apply it to the real world. And it's not how it works. So right now, am I standing here before you condemning Call of Duty, rap music, video games, movies? Absolutely not. It's not my purpose. But am I saying that in some way, shape, or form, Playing games like this or watching inappropriate movies, listening to unedifying music, does it affect your lives? Absolutely. If by no other way 
it takes your time away from what you should really be focused on. And I am a victim of that myself. I watch pretty decent TV shows, but I tell you what, on Netflix, with ACS Internet, Unlimited, those shows just keep lapping. You end one, and it just pops right into the next one. Before you know it, you sat down and watched half a TV series, and you started at 2 p.m., and it's now 11 o'clock time to go to bed. So if in no other way does it affect you, it steals you away from the one true God, the one who loves you. And that on its own is dangerous, and eventually it's sinful because it becomes what you idolize. It becomes what you seek. It becomes what you desire to do. First thing you think about when you get off of work, man, I'm going to go home, change clothes, get popcorn, watch TV. Nowhere in our day, if that is what's filling our lives, do we think, man, I need to, I need to stop and pray for a few hours today, okay? I need to go out and serve a few people before I go home and feed myself. It, it's designed, it's perfectly designed to pull you away. That is exactly what the enemy wants. And if it gets any deeper, then it really starts to affect your life and you end up like Private Young. Praise team, you can come on up. So I'll leave you with some thoughts, family. What kind of community do we want to live in? What kind of community do we want to be a part of? What do we want this church family to be like? What do we want our Anchorage family to be like? And what are we going to let lead it? What we see, what we listen to, and what we reinforce with our lives and our mouths determines who we are and where we're headed as individuals, as a congregation, as a city, country, what have you. Advertisers, they spend millions, millions of dollars advertising things like Call of Duty, alcohol, new movies. They put tons of money into 30-second commercial segments to draw us in. And we probably don't know any of them personally. I couldn't name an advertiser if you, you paid me money to. I have no idea. On the flip side, you have people like Paul, Peter, John, Jesus Christ. These men went out and laid down their lives so that we could be drawn to Christ. They advertise the one true God with their lives. Not monetary value, but with words of encouragement, with examples by living full out lives how God told them to do, how God wants us to do. Why would we follow anything else? Why would we desire to look at anything else? Why should we? I don't know anybody that loves me that much to go out and to put themselves completely aside to teach me about Jesus Christ, ultimately hoping that I follow him and serve him with all my heart. But I know a lot of people that strive to. I know I strive to. That is why I stand here before you today because I want that for myself and I want that for each and every person in this room and everybody who's not here. Parents, what are we gonna model for our children? What are we gonna offer them to eat at the table? Convenient, quick, fast food because it gets them out of our hair for a little while or it saves us a little bit time for ourselves? Or are we gonna give them something wholesome, something edifying, something good, something pure to focus on? because one day we want to see them striving for Christ as well. Right back to Luke. The eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is clear, your body is also full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. I ask everybody in this room today, in 
those of you who may even be listening online, are your eyes clear? Is your body full of light? Are your eyes bad? Is your body full of darkness? I challenge each and every person in this room, myself included, examine your hearts right now. Take a deep look into who you are and how you fill your time. Ask God to reveal to you anything that is not of him, something that you may not have any idea. Ask him to reveal it to you because I'm sure it's there. We can all do better as Christians to strive towards Christ. That is exactly what we should do. So I believe it. I believe it in my heart right now to each and every one of you. God is speaking in this room. He's speaking to each and every one of us in some way. If it be one small area of our lives where we could be focused. Question is, what is he saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you. Thank you for this message, Lord. Thank you for clarity from your scriptures, Lord. Thank you for people like Paul who laid down their lives solely to glorify you, Lord God, solely to teach people who you are and to show them the promise that you have offered each and every one of us. If we are to lay down our lives, Lord God, and to pick up our crosses and follow you each and every day, each and every moment, Lord God, the enemy tries so hard to still kill and destroy, Lord, but you reign, you reign supreme. Lord, you are sovereign in every way. So give us hope in that. Give us trust in that. And may that be what we focus on from this point on out, Lord God. I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.